Discerning the voice of God. How does one walk in the sure identification and classification of knowing it? Have you ever wondered, was this really the voice of God speaking to me? Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and it's such a great honor that you have joined us today. Today, on Day of Destiny, I want to help you learn the language of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit does not always speak to us in the vernacular, but He has His own way of bearing witness with our spirit. He has His own way of giving us personal promptings for His purposes, promises, and divine direction in our lives. That's why Romans chapter 8, verse 16, part A of the verse says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. So join us today, and I can hardly wait to impart this teaching to you today on Day of Destiny. But before we do that, I want to take this moment to invite you to my Day of Destiny website, where you can listen to our podcasts and purchase my latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. I really highly recommend this book, Secrets of the Anointing, especially if you are longing to be used of God, if you are a candidate for ministry, if you want to know price that must be paid for ministry, if you want to know the supernatural secrets hidden from in uh, over 40 years of ministry. I've put out my heart, things I learned from being in the Catherine Coleman audience and different wonderful teachings on the Holy Spirit that I believe will help you understand the work of the anointing in your life. So you don't want to miss. It's full of adventure and secrets of the anointing. So don't miss it. You can order it on our website, My Day of Destiny website, and you can go there by just clicking to mydayofdestiny.com. Now let's dig in to today's teaching on learning the language of the supernatural. Learning the language of the supernatural or perhaps better stated, learning the language of the Holy Spirit can be discerned in two different categories. One of the categories is the category of the working of the Spirit within us. And the second category is the witness of the Spirit within us. I want to speak to you for a moment about the workings within, the workings of the Spirit within us, and also how the Spirit bears witness within us. These are two distinct categories, and we can see the um, clarification of these concepts found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go Again, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and as I said in our previous podcast, it's very important for us to understand, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us the what 
of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I classify as the chapter on identification. And 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us the why of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I call this the chapter on the clarification of the gifts of the Spirit. And then we see 1 Corinthians 14 on the how of the gifts of the Spirit. And I call this the chapter on the impartation or implementation of the gifts of the Spirit. So we have the what, why, and how in chapters 12, 13, and 14, which actually cannot be divided. They are all a prophetic composite belonging to one unit of texts, hermeneutically speaking speaking, and they cohere cohesively one with another, and therefore we cannot break them up. We must understand that there is a teaching element on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in all three of these chapters. Secondly, we must understand that Paul is teaching us something very unique about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He is showing us that actually in a technical sense of scripture, if we are going to make an accurate analysis of the text, we are going to see that signs and wonders are not exactly the same miraculous manifestation as the gifts of the Spirit. Some of you have perhaps all your life put them all into one little bag, but I want you to understand that the scripture is very clearly, distinctly identifying the difference between the gifts of the Holy Spirit, though they are indeed miraculous manifestations of the Spirit, uh, apart and separate from signs and wonders. Why? Because each of these classifications have different purposes. We must understand the purpose for the signs and the wonders is for the unbeliever. The purpose for the signs and the wonders is to advance the uh, evangelism and the ability to evangelize the name of Jesus, the purpose to bear witness to all people who Jesus is and that he is not dead, that he is definitely alive and that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did then he will do again because he's not dead. He lives and he lives at the right hand of the father and he ever lives to make intercession for us. And those Signs, wonders, and miracles are still happening today because he's not dead. He is alive. However, it is very easy for us to get confused about the documented details that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapters 12 through 14, on the operations and demonstrations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We see that their purpose, the purpose of these gifts, please understand these miraculous manifestations. Remember, the working of miracles is not only a gift of the Spirit that is to be used in the body of Christ, which the purpose is different. Uh, it is this. It is to be understood that also signs and wonders can include the working of miracles. However, I want to develop. I want us to develop this understanding that the purpose of the 
charismatic gifts of the Spirit are given to the body of Christ. One is given to the body of Christ, one category, and one category is to be used, the signs and wonders category, as a sign to the unbeliever. Let me demonstrate this to you through the scripture, and we will go over this in documented detail so that we will be able to properly operate in the gifts of the Spirit and understand the language of the supernatural. We want to learn the language of the Holy Spirit or learn the language of the supernatural. So let's begin again with this classic text that we have been teaching from. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. The Bible says, let's go back up to verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you Agnoio, I would not have you ignorant. In other words, Paul wants the church trained on the supernatural, how they work, what their purpose is, and how to appropriate them, how to utilize them, how to access the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The Bible says, now there are diversities of charisma. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, diakonia, but the same Lord. And there are differences of the enigma or the workings of operations. There are diversities of operations, but the same God who works all and is in all. So we are seeing this word diversities and differences, which in the Greek language is the word diuresis, which is all three the same. So Paul is telling us it's the same substance. It's the same spirit of God. It's the same one who is working both in signs, wonders, and miracles. However, the operation is different or the demonstration is different. The purpose is different. The access is different. How one is able to access the supernatural power of God in the gifts of the spirit, one must be first in complete understanding for their purpose and their use. And Paul is going to tell us that the charismatic gifts along with prophecy and along with interpretation of tongues, as he tells us in the how of the gifts of the spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, are to be used for the body of Christ. Let us look. The Bible says in verse seven, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The Bible is not saying the manifestation of the spirit is given only to the pastor. The manifestation of the spirit is given only to the evangelist or to the one operating in the office of prophet. We must understand that the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man for what? To profit, to benefit, to edify all to every man. So that means every believer that is baptized in the Holy Spirit has access to the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, far beyond only speaking in an unknown tongue. Notice what the Bible says. For to one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all these work 
that that one and self same spirit dividing to every man. Again, we have the repetition of this phrase to every man. We saw this in verse, we saw this very clearly in verse seven, and now we are seeing it again in verse 11, to every man. Paul is repeating himself, not to be redundant, but so that we would understand that God's will is that every believer that is submerged in the supernatural and baptized in the spirit would operate in all nine charismatic gifts of the spirit, not to be seen of men, not so everyone can say how powerful we are. No, not to draw attention to ourselves. but we need these gifts of the spirit in order for agape to reach its highest potential and power in the body of Christ. Why? Because these gifts of the spirit operate through agape and they are expressions of agape. No, it's not God's will that someone would be sick. It's God's will that someone in the body of Christ would be able to learn how to access that servant gift of being able to operate in the multiple aspects of the gifts of healing which also include casting out of devils. I want you to understand something. If you make an analysis of these gifts of the Spirit, do you see in these nine charismatic gifts, one of the gifts called casting out devils? No, we do not. Why? Because the casting out of devils belongs to signs. But we also know there is another working of the of the casting out of devils, and that is under the category of charismatic gifts, which has to do with gifts of healing. We see that Jesus, when he went and preached the word and taught in their synagogues in every city, the Bible says he healed many and cast out devils. Notice if we go to Luke's gospel, Luke will tell us this very distinctly that the casting out of devils, of course, is under signs, and I will uh, accentuate that. But the Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, the Bible says, let's go back up to verse 1 so that we know that preaching and teaching always preceded the power of God in its miraculous manifestation in the ministry of Jesus, who is our model for the miraculous. We must understand that signs and wonders must accompany the word of God. Jesus did not go into villages zapping people. Jesus went into villages preaching the word of God and teaching. This is something that we need to isolate within the scriptures so that we understand, just as the Bible says in the Great Commission of Mark chapter 16, verse 20, the Lord working with them, confirming his word with signs following. Let us look here and see what the Bible says. And it came to pass afterward that he went out to every village and city, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. Notice the Bible emphasizes preaching first. And the Bible says in certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits. Notice the Bible is calling this particular miraculous manifestation of healing the sick being called healing of evil spirits. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. So, beloved, let us please understand that 
when Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall, uh, they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we see that the healing of evil spirits has to do with the charismatic gift of healing. But we also see that the casting out is a sign. So there is distinction. Some overlap one another. But in order to fully understand how Jesus is our model for the miraculous, it is so important that Jesus never ministered without speaking the word first, unless beloved, unless he was healing an individual that he saw as the scripture often spotlights, like the man at the pool of Bethesda, or like the nobleman's son, or like Jairus's daughter while he is on the way. And I want you to understand something that we need to study how Jesus performed his miracles, because this is our model for the miraculous. Those of you that are in the healing ministry or those of you that are in the ministry of the supernatural, it is so very important to study how Jesus performed his miracles. This is why the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how Jesus, hallelujah, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And there are some of you that may say, how could you say some of you that are in healing ministries or in the ministries of the supernatural? Beloved, please understand this was the primary purpose of the three years of the ministry of Jesus, not only to proclaim his messiahship through the works, not through his word uh, saying, I am the Messiah, but through his works that bore witness that he was the Messiah. If you remember, beloved saints, the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6, that the, the uh, deaf shall hear and the blind shall see. And this is a messianic miracle, a messianic sign that when the Messiah comes uniquely, there has never been in the history of Israel someone who healed the blind. We do know that Elisha, asked God to open the eyes of his servant. But that was not because his servant didn't have physical sight. His servant needed to see in the spirit and God answered the prayers. So we need to see that there are very rare cases throughout the scriptures of those persons in the Hebrew scriptures being healed. No, we do not see Moses having a healing ministry. No, we do not have record of Jeremiah healing, but we do have have one case of Isaiah uh, praying for King Hezekiah. And we must understand that that particular miracle has within it a messianic manifestation because the healing was to manifest itself on the third day. So we must understand that healing the sick, the opening of blind eyes, particularly the hearing of deaf ears and the lame walking are specifically separated 
waited for the messianic reign of the Messiah. When the Messiah appears, these are signs of the Messiah. And though the Messiah has not taken his throne to reign in the millennium, when he began his ministry 2,000 plus years ago, you and I must see he didn't have to say I'm the Messiah. His works were his testimony. And the signs and wonders that were done among the people were his testimony. And this is why he sent forth the 12 and gave them power against unclean spirits. And he sent them forth to preach the gospel and to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. And we also see the same with the 70. And he sent the 70 forth with the same commission. If you remember in Luke's gospel in the 10th chapter in the 17th verse, the Bible says the 70 returned and said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us in thy name. So we must understand beloved saints that he sent not only the 12, but he also sent the 70. And he also gave the great commission to the 120 that are going to be in the upper room before he ascended into heaven. We see that he said, these signs shall follow them that believe uh, in my name. And we went through this in Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 19. So it is so very important, beloved saints, that we understand that we have been called by way of the Great Commission to give the full gospel. And this is why Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to come again unto you. And the Bible says in John chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, I will abbreviate it. Jesus said, he that believeth on me, the same works that I do shall he do also, but greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father. So you and I must understand that we must be able to understand how these works operate, how the gifts of the Spirit operate with a complete different unction and a completely different function than just the signs and wonders. We must understand that the gifts of the Spirit have been given to the body of Christ for the edification of the church. And we must understand that signs follow them that believe for the preaching of the gospel. Yes, they are oftentimes the same miraculous manifestation, but we must understand the purpose and how they operate. Particularly, the gifts of the Spirit operate through the agape in the body of Christ. They operate through the koinonia, or what we would say, the koinonia or fellowship of the saints. Let's look at this in a more expanded version of teaching found for us, beloved saints, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I pray that we are growing in the grace of God and that we understand the unction and function of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm so glad that we're still in the power of Pentecost and we're not going to let the Holy Spirit go. We are going to hold on to the power of Pentecost, beloved saints, because we want to be like the Shunammite, the Shunammite woman who constrained Elisha. And remember that constraining was Elisha is the type and a power of how we should constrain the Holy Spirit. Let's look and see, beloved saints. The Bible says, continuing in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for as the body is one and has many members, 
um, of that one body, being many, one body, so is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether bond or free. We have all been made to drink into one spirit. What is this all about? This is all about, now please understand before we give an explanation, please understand, dear saints, that we cannot take scriptures out of context. And one of the ways that we properly interpret scripture is through the context. The scriptures teach us and hermeneutical rules teach us that explanation is obtained in the context. This is a simple hermeneutical rule that we find in the seven hermeneutical rules of Rabban Hillel. Hillel was one of the great teachers of the Old Testament scriptures. And we must understand that he laid out seven rules for interpreting scripture, which are applied both to the Old and New Testaments. Why do we know they're applied to the New Testaments? Because if we know these rules, we will see that Jesus used them, and so did Paul. So we must understand that explanation to the entire chapter is obtained in the context. We must also understand that context will show us the author's intent. So let us look here. First of all, we are seeing the use of repetition in the word one. We are seeing one body and we are uh, we see this consistently in verses 12 through 13. We see it done seven times. We also see that it continues. And the Bible says, for God has set the members, everyone in the body as it has pleased him. Why is Paul going into documented detail concerning the oneness of the body of Christ, the many members, God setting every member in the body as it has pleased him? This is so that we would understand Understand that it is extremely important to understand that all members in the body of Christ need to supply the strength and need to be operating in the gifts of the Spirit because the gifts of the Spirit are given to the body of Christ to profit with all. And we see, beloved saints, that they work, the working of the gifts of the Spirit happen through agape. If we do not operate in agape and we do not understand the attributes of agape, then beloved saints, we are going to be deficient in the working of the gifts of the spirit. We are not going to know how to appropriate them. They are only going to reach partial potential power. I don't know about you, but I want to operate in the full potential and purpose of the gifts of the spirit. And this happens through agape. This is why Paul begins his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, follow after charity. What does that mean? That means this word charity, of course, is agape, but he is saying, he is using this word 
diakotes, which is this word diakote, is a word in the Greek language, which means to pursue, to chase after. So he is telling us to chase after agape. And this is why in the how of the gifts of the spirit, Paul is going to use this as an author's intent so that we fully understand how the gifts of the spirit operate. They operate through the accessing of agape. Notice that in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is showing us the why. He is clarifying that we can speak in tongues. We can speak in the tongues of men and angels. But if we do not have agape, we have been sounding. We will sound like a loud brass or a tinkling cymbal. I don't know about you, but I want to be clear because a loud brass and a tingling cymbal doesn't give me any sound. It only makes a lot of noise. I want a clear, distinct sound. I want the person that I minister to, to fully understand that Jesus sees their pain. Jesus knows their pain, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Lord over their situation, that Jesus wants to give them dominion, that Jesus wants to break the yokes, that Jesus wants to set them free. This is why Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not agape, I have become like a loud, like a sounding brass and a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, I can know how all the gifts work. But if I do not have uh, the love of God, if I do not operate in agape, it's not going to profit me anything. This is why he says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, which is a prophetic property of prophecy and have all knowledge, that is the word of knowledge and have all faith. That is the gift of the spirit, wonder working faith so that I could remove mountains. That's miraculous, wonder working faith. And I have not agape. I am nothing. So it means that if I don't operate in agape and I don't understand agape, then I'm going to be dramatically deficient in the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, beloved saints, I want you to know, beloved, that there are attributes of agape that are given to us in Philippians chapter two, verses one and two. And I'm going to close with this. It is so important to understand the attributes of agape because the attributes of agape help us understand how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's go there really quickly. Philippians Uh, Let's look at Philippians chapter two and let's see. For the Bible says, for if there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the spirit, if there be any bowels and mercies, these two, this verse continues to verse two, fulfill ye my joy that you uh, be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord in one mind. May I go over this really quickly with you, these five attributes of agape. The first attribute of agape is paraclesis. The Bible says, if there be any consolation in Christ, this word consolation is the word paraclesis in Greek, which means to come alongside. So this means in order to really operate in agape, the five attributes of agape that are necessary, In order to operate in the gifts of the spirit, I can't.
can't just say be warmed and fed. I must go along, come alongside my brother who's hurting. I need to go to that hospital bed. I need to reach out and pick up uh, the pieces of somebody's pain and be able to carry the burden of someone. Fulfill ye one and uh, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I have to learn how to come alongside. That means to go out of my way, sacrifice for someone, do something for someone else that is sacrificial so I can release the anointing of agape over my life and over the life of the persons I'm ministering to so the Holy Spirit will have full access to miraculously manifest the gifts in their full operation. All right. And we see the second uh, attribute of agape. If there be any paraclesis, any consolation of Christ, or any comfort of love. This word, beloved saints, is the word comfort, which is a word that is used only in this particular place. It is used only in Philippians chapter 2. And this is a word that literally means to use soothing speech. All right. Soothing speech. And this is the word paramuthion in Greek, which literally means to use soothing speech to somebody, to use soothing words, to edify them. This means that in order to operate in the attributes of agape, I have to have kind words. The law of kindness needs to be on my tongue. God does not want us to judge. He doesn't want sharp words. He doesn't want self-righteous words. He doesn't want words of being better than thou, holier than thou. Even in our thoughts, we can block the anointing through such self-righteousness and looking down on other people. But the Holy Spirit is very humble in his nature. That's why he chose Jesus as a man. Remember, Jesus being fully God and fully man, but he chose Jesus. You and I must understand that humility and we must be of humble speech and of caring in our our, our words. All right, paramuthion. If there be any attribute of agape here, if there be any comfort of love, the Bible says, continuing in the context, if there be any fellowship of the spirit, this third attribute of agape is koinonia or kanonia. And we must understand what this means. This is the word that means joint participation. This is the act of giving and receiving. This means that we're all one in the body of Christ and we come alongside in that body. That means we belong to the body. We're not just a little world unto ourselves saying, I'm just too holy to belong to a church. God gives me my own revelation on my own. God help us. We need to be part of the body. We need to be functioning. We need to be pouring out in love one with another, submitted to one another in love, operating in love. That's what the kanonia is. And this was the secret of the early church. They held all things in common so that no one lacked. So we're looking out for one another and we're bearing one another's burdens. This is an attribute of agape. We also see, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love. This like-mindedness is a word 
That means that we're going to be same in our minds, same in our vision, same in our hope, that we're working together and being like-minded means that I also uh, understand the person that I'm ministering to, that I'm not in left field, that I can actually ask the Holy Spirit to give me that that pain to help me understand. I'm not going to take their pain. Jesus took it. But I am going to ask the Holy Spirit, give me compassion to be able to understand how this person is feeling. And Thirdly, having the same love. There is this gift of giving and receiving this this reciprocity. That is that you all have the same love. That means mutuality, that I love you and you love me, that when someone loves us, that we actually love them back. That's what the body of Christ is all about. How many times does someone express love to us and we shut down? We don't show them love back. God wants us to reciprocate what has been shown to us. This releases the anointing of agape in the body of Christ. And without that agape, we're just a loud gong and a noisy symbol. We cannot bring those gifts of the Holy Spirit. God wants those gifts of the Holy Spirit brought to the pinnacle of perfection, and they cannot reach the pinnacle of perfection or the pinnacle of their purpose without the attributes of agape in our lives. Now, beloved saints, it has been my privilege to be able to bring to you this teaching today, I invite you to go to our website, mydayofdestiny.com. And when you go to mydayofdestiny.com, you will see other teachings that we would be so honored if you would just go on and listen to those teachings of past podcasts so that you can develop within your own life a tremendous library of resources on the gifts of the Spirit and how to walk in the supernatural. And also, beloved, I invite you to go to our website, mydayofdestiny.com, and order my book. This is my latest book. It was seen on Sid Roth's It's Supernatural. It is the book entitled Secrets to the Anointing. I believe that this will help you be able to increase your walk in a scriptural but profound supernatural way in order to enhance your walk with the Holy Spirit. Experience Holy Spirit visitation in your everyday life. And also, for those of you that would like to be my Day of Destiny partners, I really invite you to sow your seed today on all of our Hope for Humanity, Hesed Hope for Humanity giving platforms. You know, beloved, Hesed is spelled C-H-E-S-E-D, and it literally means loving kindness in Hebrew. I invite you to become part of our Hesed projects to the marginalized Christians in Pakistan, to the orphans in Uganda, to the village children living in indigenous villages in the Philippines, to all over the world, in India, to pastors who are believing God for souls to be one amidst persecution. This is your opportunity to give to Hesed. You could go to breathofthespirit.org. And when you go to breathofthespirit.org, 
you can donate to one of our multiple HESID projects. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you real soon.